This is Trish McCarthy, and you are listening to the Chasing Squirrels Testimonies of Active Faith podcast. If you are a new listener, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. And thank you so much for your continued support and encouragement. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and leave a review. The reviews are especially appreciated. Your feedback is so important to me and valued, and your ratings and reviews help other people find the podcast as well. And just as a reminder, the purpose of this podcast is to share testimonies of, of about our amazing God, to make his name famous, the name of Jesus, name above all names. And my heart is to reach as many people as possible with these testimonies and teachings so that they can hear all about God's amazing faithfulness. So if you have been encouraged, please share it with others. Just shoot them a link via text or email or social media. All right, so the title of this message is Ode to 2020, and I actually began preparing this on January 1st, and I worked on it pretty much every day for about a week. My intention was to record it and publish it the evening of January 5th, but the timing just, it didn't feel right to me, and then the events of January 6th took place in our nation's capital, and I felt much more inclined to pray than actually teach that that day, that night. So I waited. And I don't know about you, but for me lately, waiting has been such a theme. And I've been given a lot of opportunities lately to just trust his timing. And this was another one of those opportunities. Just wait on God. So it's a little too, a little late, later than I expected, but I guess maybe not really late because his timing is perfect. So anyway, whatever. Nonetheless, here is Ode to 2020. The purpose of an ode is generally to memorialize and celebrate something of great value or significance. It's usually in a lyrical style of a poem or a song. And don't worry, I'm not going to sing. You don't want that. (laughs) What I really want to do is actually hone in on that word celebrate. So as I scrolled through my social media accounts on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, I saw a ton of posts celebrating the upcoming New Year. A great deal of excitement and hope centered around 2021. And totally not surprising because that's what we do when a new year rolls around. And for obvious reasons, there wasn't much celebration of 2020 going on, just applauding that it was finally over. There was like this great deal of 2020 bashing taking place and not much 2020 celebrating. In fact, some of the, some of the specific phrases that I saw and I heard were, peace out 2020 and good riddance and you were the source of all our troubles. Can't wait to put it behind us. It was a hellacious year. We barely, we, we made it through barely. There was just post after post after post complaining about 2020. Now, to be fair, I did see a few posts about how even though the year was rough, there was still much to be thankful for. A few posts. I saw a few. But for the most part, it just seemed like an overwhelming majority of people were beating up on poor old 2020. Now, I couldn't figure out why, and it, and it really, honestly, it did seem silly to me, but it bothered me so much, so much so that I sent this text to a good friend. Here's what I said. This is going to sound odd, but I'm feeling sad for 2020. It is getting such a bad rap. I feel a little guilty, too, for looking back with some fondness on the year. What happened to count it all joy? So many people complaining about 2020 right now. I don't know why, but it really bothers me. I know I've done my fair share of complaining myself. 
just processing out loud, LOL. Maybe this is maybe this is just a reminder for me to not complain. I don't know. I probably sound a little nuts. Haha. I know it's just a year. And then 20 minutes later, I sent this text. So I think I figured it out. I was just writing an ode to 2020, LOL, insert crazy face emoji. And I realized I was actually writing it to God. When people, including myself, are complaining about this year, maybe it feels like we are actually complaining about him. I think that's what's bugging me. Maybe I'm reading way too much into this. I don't know. I can't stop thinking about it. And that was January 1st at 8.43 p.m. And I didn't stop thinking about it. So after several more days of prayer, reflection, reading, researching, I wrote this outline for this episode. So I felt like that's why I couldn't stop thinking about it, that I was supposed to say something, teach something. So I started this outline, and here I am, exactly exactly a month later, on February 1st, I'm sharing with you what I believe God has personally shown me about why that bothered me so much. And like I said, I had written this like a month ago, so keep that in mind. So I really felt like he was showing me, here, here's the why. This is what's at the root of why I was so bothered. And this is what he revealed to me as I studied a conviction and a command, a cautionary reminder, a consideration, and then finally a confirmation. Conviction and command, cautionary reminder, a consideration, and then a confirmation. So the first thing I felt was a conviction that I too had done a lot of complaining about 2020. And the specific word that kept rolling through my mind was grumbling. And I thought about that verse, I thought of that verse uh, in Philippians 2, do all things without grumbling or complaining and disputing. And I studied the verse in context, I did a little bit of word study, and, and while I was reading some commentary on the verse, I stumbled upon a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, delivered on September 28, 1862. He opened the sermon with that exact scripture, which is Philippians 2.14, And he went on to explain three things that we should not complain against. One, the providence of God. We should allow him to do what seems good to him. Two, one another. Three, not even the ungodly world. Three things we shouldn't complain against. I was so personally convicted about the amount of complaining that I had done myself in 2020. I had complained against all of those things. Spurgeon explained we shouldn't complain against. God's providence, other people, and the ungodly world we live in. So first, I was convicted. Right after I was convicted, I saw the command that was contained that is contained in that verse. Do all things without complaining. Do all things, the command. So usually when we think of the word command or commandment, we think of all the things we shouldn't do. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, but and all of all but two of the commandments in the Old Testament are written this way, actually. But then there are the two most important commandments that Jesus gives us in the New Testament, which are about what to do, not what not to do. Here we go in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. Jesus declared, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
So it seems to me like doing all things without complaining would definitely be a good way to fulfill both of those commandments because it displays our love for him. That's the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then the second is love your neighbors yourself. So if I'm not complaining, if I'm doing everything without complaining, it displays my love for him as well as our love for others. And the word do in that verse seems to demand that we take some action. And I was thinking perhaps I, we could even take it a step further and not just not complain, but maybe be very intentional about expressing gratitude both to God and to others when we would actually much rather just complain. And I'm just going to confess right now that for me personally, I struggled with that a lot in 2020. And if I'm being honest, I'm, I still struggle. And I don't know, I probably, maybe I always will. Not complaining is much easier said than done. Who's with me on this? Surely I can't be the only one, right? But stay with me because at the end of the show, I will share a couple of practical tips, practical ways that things that maybe can help with this. Um, Okay, so first he convicted me. I was convicted about the amount of complaining I had done against all those things. And then he revealed that command to me in that, that same verse. Uh, the next thing that God clearly, he just so clear, clearly brought to my mind as I reflected and studied, you know, reflected on the bashing, 2020 bashing, and and I was just praying, studying, is he really spoke to my heart and reminded me about how Israel grumbled against him during the Exodus. And I was feeling like maybe this should be kind of a word of warning or a cautionary reminder, a warning of sorts to myself, to us, to not act like the Israelites did, to not act like that moving forward in 2021. So he, it was really cool. He confirmed that thought, that uh, reminder, I guess, through the verses, the very first verse that he had me look up in Philippians. And I actually didn't see it at first, which is why I'm so very grateful for commentary Like um, that, and especially this Blue Letter Bible app that I recently discovered in the last couple years. If you have, if you don't have that app, um, take a minute to look it up on your on your on the App Store. Uh, It's called the Blue Letter Bible app, and it's it'll it's a Bible app, so you can read your your Bible in it. But there's so much to it; you can look up all sorts of things. So I would just download download that. Um, do do a little research about how you can use it. So anyway, like I said, I I I had that one verse that God gave me, and then uh, as I looked at that verse and looked a little further and did com- read the commentary, there was something else that He showed me, and I didn't see it at first. But I'm going to read it to you. Um, it's it's uh, Philippians two fourteen and fifteen. I'm going to read them together. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. Did you catch it? Like I said, I I didn't I didn't catch it at first. The crooked and perverse generation that Paul is referring to there was rebellious, ungrateful Israel who was constantly complaining, constantly complaining and disputing with God during their wilderness sojourn, sojourn, sojourn <laughs> after he delivered them from Egypt. 
In verse 15, we also discover the why. Why Paul was telling the Philippians they shouldn't complain. We see it whenever we see so that we need to, or my, whenever I read so that my ears perk up, I want to pay attention. It says, so that we prove ourselves to be his children. As I spent time reflecting on this, I thought about children and <clears throat> I used to teach <laughs> and how they whine a lot. Those of you who have children, you know what I'm talking about. How often have you heard your children complain, right? They're like experts at it, aren't they? Nobody had to teach them how to do it. Just like nobody has to teach a little two-year-old to say, mine. It's almost like this is what children were made to do. Every single one of them whines or complains. My kids did it. Your kids did it or do it. And as kids, you and I did it as well. Who am I kidding? I still do. And you probably do too. But I, I think it's just like we naturally seem to just do this at an early age, especially with our earthly parents. We just seem to complain to them. And then maybe, I don't know, it just becomes a bad habit for us. I'm not really sure. But regardless, we all know how truly easy it is to slip into a habit of complaining. However, it shouldn't be that way with our heavenly parent, with our heavenly father. The word says we prove ourselves to be his children by not complaining. We prove ourselves to be his children by not complaining. Why? Why is that? Well, because it reveals our hearts to him, as well as to the world, to those around him, around us, that we trust him. We believe his ways are better than our ways and that he knows what's best for us even if we don't understand, even if it hurts, even if we don't like it. It's just like us, those of us that are parents with our own kids. As their earthly parents, we do know a little bit about what's best for them, even though they might not agree with us. We know that they will need to endure things that they don't like for their own good. For example, we know that they need to take the bitter medicine or get the painful injection in order to cure or prevent illness. We know how good the dreaded bath time, bedtime, teeth brushing time are for them and how necessary the timeouts and the yucky vegetables are. We, as their parents, know what's best for them. How much more does our Heavenly Father know what's best for us? What metaphorical, bitter medicine, painful injection, timeout, or plate of vegetables we might need in our own lives. Okay, so first I was convicted about my own complaining, then shown a command, do all things without complaining so that we prove to be his children. Next, he gave me a word of caution, not to be like the grumbling Israelites who after God mercifully, graciously, and miraculously delivered them from Egypt, complained against him, and they actually wanted to go back. Word of caution, for 2021 cautionary reminder that was the third that was the third thing then the next thing he revealed something to me is i believe something we all need to consider it was a consideration and it is in ecclesiastes 7:14 i'm going to read two different versions of that that the NASB new american standard bible says on the day of prosperity be happy but on the day of adversity consider god has made one as well as the other so that a person will not discover anything that will come after him. 
and the NIV, the New International Version. When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. This verse reminds us that he is sovereign and he is on his throne. And we can trust that his ways are good even when we face adversity and challenges like we did in 2020. Basically, it reminds us to consider the fact that maybe he knows what he's doing. Just consider. And that he is completely in control of all of our days, of all of our years, both the good years and the bad, like 2020. And listen to that part of the, the, that last verse again. So that no one can discover anything about their future. None of us could have seen the events of 2020 coming. In fact, many of us, myself included, made big plans for 2020 and spoke of having a 2020 vision for 2020. Huh? I'm sure that we will probably see another play on words very soon, or we may have already seen it. When we continue to face adversity, or even maybe more adversity, the phrase will likely be hindsight's 2020, and we may even wish for those 2020 bad times again. Those 2020 bad times, those are that's in quotes <laughs> once again. I, I really just had to ask myself, am I going to look back on 2020 and wish that I hadn't complained so much? Are there things about 2020 that I will long for again in 2021? And will there be difficult circumstances in 2021 that I will most likely complain about as well? Unequivocally, without a doubt, I believe my answer to that question is yes, because I know me and I know human nature. The truth is I'm just a modern day Israelite and you are too. We all are, which is why we desperately need Jesus. I want to stop and make two points here. So first of all, remember I said I outlined this, planned this on January, well, January 1st through January 5th. So I wrote all that, planned all that before. And basically, that is exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. We weren't even a week into 2021, and we started seeing all the memes like, Thanks for the seven-day trial, but I'd like to cancel my subscription to 2021. I mean, they were all over the place. And a lot of them were funny. And I know people were posting in jest, trying to be funny. And it is true. Our God has a great sense of humor. He really does. But I, I just really had to stop and wonder, like, does he really find any of this funny at all? I don't know. So I also, so the second thing I want to just stop for a minute and just remind us all is that we can and we should bring all of our cares to God, especially matters of injustice or wrongdoing that might move us to frustration or anger. But we just shouldn't complain about God. We must not come to him in a spirit of complaint or anger against God because it is never, ever right to accuse God of wrongdoing. So again, recapping, the first thing God brought to mind when I was reflecting, praying, studying was a conviction and a command. The second thing was a word of caution for 2021. Don't be like the grumbling Israelites. Be like his children by not complaining. Then he showed me something to consider that he made both good days and bad days. 
both good years and bad years, and that we should praise him no matter what. And then there's one last thing that he pointed out to me, and it was when I was reading the passage in Exodus about the Israelites complaining against Moses and Aaron after God had delivered all of them from Egypt. So, and this last thing that I saw was really the confirmation for me. I love when God confirms, like when he puts something on your heart. And like I said, I just kept thinking about all this and why was it bothering me? Why was it bothering me? And I'm texting my friend and processing with her. And this this is where I got my confirmation, the, my, my question about why. Why was the 2020 bashing party bothering me so much? Here's the verse, Exodus 16, 8. And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. And that was it. That was what I had texted my friend on New Year's Day, that maybe what was bothering me is that when we complain, we, myself included, I included myself there, it feels like we're complaining or it seems like we're complaining against God and not just 2020. That was exactly why I couldn't stop thinking about it, why God wouldn't let me stop thinking about it. I want to read to you this excerpt. I found this by a pastor by the name of Daryl Worley, and it was written a few years ago. This is awesome. Why do we grumble and dispute? Why do we complain and argue? James 4.1 says it's because our passions are at war within us. We feel like something is absent that should be present or something's present that should be absent. Things just aren't how they ought to be. But who is the true object of our grumbling and disputing when we give into it? Who's responsible for making things the way they ought to be? Who's actually able, who alone is able to restore things to the way they ought to be? Is it not God? So who is the true object of our grumbling and disputing when we get when we give into it? God alone. Grumbling and disputing is telling God that we don't believe he's capable of handling the situation before us. This is the last line that I just loved. We repeat Israel's sin, but don't expect their consequences. Side note here, too. The Israelites complained a total of 14 times. I just wonder how many times I complained in 20, just in 2020 alone. I have a feeling it was way more than 14. I really hope 2021 looks different for me. And I and for you, even if the circumstances remain the same, or maybe even if they get worse, I hope what looks different is the amount of complaining we all do. I'd like to end with this, a reminder about God's faithfulness. Although he did confront and judge the Israelites for their sin of grumbling and ungratefulness, the Lord remained so faithful to them. He forgave them and he continued to guide them and meet every single need they had every step of the way. And he does the same for us today. He confronts us with our sin or for our sin. He forgives us through the power of the cross and he remains faithful. How wonderful to know that we serve a patient, 
faithful God, and we can agree with the psalmist who said in Psalm 105, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. All right, last thing I I do want to end. I did write a little, it's not super poetic or fancy, but I did write a little ode to 2020. So here we go. Ode to 2020. On behalf of grumblers everywhere, I am so sorry. Sorry we put so much pressure on you and blamed you when things didn't turn out quite the way we hoped, planned, or imagined. And from the bottom of my heart, I also thank you. Thank you for reminding us that we can't put our faith and hope in our circumstances or in a number on a calendar. And thank you for reminding us what truly matters, health, family, friends, love, and Jesus. As we bid you adieu, I pray that we will never forget the lessons you taught us, the memories you gave us, and the love we shared with those both near and far. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and close us with a tip and a prayer. I know that I've probably shared this before, but I am going to recommend this. There is no better year to start this than right now. If you haven't done this already, I would definitely start a gratitude journal and be intentional about setting aside time to write in it. I used to keep one in my car, and before I would walk into the building where I worked, I would get it out and write things I was grateful for. And then when I got back in the car on my way home, I would also write in it, or like right before I was walking into my my home for the evening. That was one way I was intentional. Right now, I'm choosing to write in it on my Sabbath day. I choose to take my Sabbath on Saturday. And so every Saturday, I have a spread in there, like two pages, and I just fill those two pages. And it's just such a wonderful practice. It's wonderful, too, to just look back on the year and see a record of all of God's faithfulness and all the wonderful things that he did and have those stones of remembrance set up. So if you haven't done it yet, start now. Go get yourself a really nice journal and and start being intentional about that. And then one other little thing that has been just such a blessing for me lately, I had a friend recently invite me to a gratitude group that she's in, and it's just a group full of a a handful of women. And they periodically text one another throughout the, the day, the week, of just things that they're grateful for. And it, for me, what it does is it, it's, it makes me pause and stop and think about what they're grateful for. And then it spurs me, it triggers me to do the same. It just, it's like I just get my head up, focused on what's around me, what I'm grateful for. And I'm just so blessed to be a part of that group. So maybe you might, might want to start your own little gratitude group. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just want to come before you and thank you and praise you so much once again for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us through your word and you illuminate things. You give us wisdom. You Um, convict us you just use your word for so many many things in our lives and so I just thank you and praise you for that and my prayer for us this week is that you would give us all all of us a hunger for your word like we've never had before Lord I pray for each one of us that you would give us that desire to just really spend time in your word not just reading it but really focusing studying meditating on it letting it I pray that we would just allow your word 
to change us, that we would allow your word to transform us, or we know the power of your word and that it does that. God, I thank you so much for um, the power of gratitude. Thank you, Lord, that you give us a choice, and we can either choose to be grateful or we can choose to complain. And I pray for each one of us, myself included, Lord, that this next year would look different. That Not even next year, God, but that tomorrow. I pray that tomorrow would look different and that in our conversations we would choose to, well, I pray that you, God, would help us to just convict us, stop us when we start to complain. I pray your Holy Spirit would intervene and even put just a guard over our, our mouth so that we those those words don't come out of our mouth, Lord. But when they do, I pray that you would help us to turn quickly and to change from a place of grumbling and complaining to a place of, place of uh, praising and uh, just speaking gratitude and thanksgiving over situations and over people, even in our own minds. Lord, help us to not grumble in our minds, but just be uh have that just attitude of gratitude change change us lord change us change me start with me god start with me change me lord thank you so much thank you for uh who you are thank you for sending your son jesus to die for us and the power that we have because he lives (laughs) thank you that he lives lord and that your holy spirit lives and dwells inside of us i thank you so much for that lord i pray all these things in the powerful name of jesus amen thank you so much for listening today and as always uh, if you if you haven't please subscribe and rate and review the podcast and share it with a friend would really appreciate that hope that you have a wonderful wonderful day and a blessed 2021